Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. You know, I'm a small business advocate. I love small business. I fight for small business. And at the Hartford, they understand that there's nothing small in small business. As a small business owner, you're busy. You have a ton of big decisions to make every day. And the last thing you want to do is worry about your small business insurance. With coverage from the Hartford, you just don't have to. With over 200 years of experience and over 1 million customers, they are specialists in small business. From workman's compensation to professional liability, commercial auto, and more, the Hartford offers a wide range of small business insurance products you can keep focused on what you love, knowing that they're behind you every step of the way. Learn more at thehartford.com slash smallbusiness. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. I'm John Taffer, best-selling author, bar rescue guru, and soon your new best friend. I've got a lot of shit for us to talk about, so stop making excuses and let's get started because this gets real right now. All the way from the studios at Podcast One, here's John Taffer. All right, there's no denying it. It's June 11th. This is episode 51. Wow. I'm John Taffer. This is my No Excuses podcast. I'm here in Las Vegas, and Corey, it is freaking hot as hell out there. Oh, man. yeah. About 100 degrees here in Las Vegas. And the summer in the desert is really kicking in. Well, just finished the second episode of Marriage Rescue, and i got to thank everybody. Ratings have been unbelievable. And, you know, it's unbelievable the statistics that Nielsen and all the data services can provide for television. But, you know, on cable, I know how old you are, when you watch, you know, income levels, what other shows you've... I mean, the data that they pull out of cable is unbelievable. And about 85% of the Bar Rescue audience is watching Marriage Rescue. So I can't tell you how appreciative I am and how wonderful that makes me feel. So thank you all. It's been an amazing challenge doing Marriage Rescue. And I just finished a big media tour in New York. I was at Fox, Barstool, Cheddar... Uh, uh, ABC. I was all over the place last week, and it's always fun when you when you do a media tour. And you, Corey, it's brutal. It starts at six in the morning with something called a radio tour. And those of you who aren't in the media business will find this interesting. A radio tour. You sit in your on your phone, either your home in your office, your hotel. You put on your headphones. You connect it to your phone, and then a guy calls and says, "Okay, John, we're going to Corey at WABC in New York." Hey, Corey, how you doing, buddy? Blah, blah, blah. We talk for five or ten minutes, and a guy comes back in. He says, okay, John, now we're going to Sam and Robert in Toledo. Sam, Robert, how you doing, guys? Ten minutes later, now we're going to Albuquerque at the Robert Show. And in about two hours, two and a half hours, you do about 12 cities on major radio stations. You can do it all from home. I love radio tours. It's a blast to talk to people in each city, talk to all the different jocks around the country, you know, all the radio interviewers and celebrities. So it's something I really, really love. So I got to do a radio tour. I got to do my buddy Jenny McCarthy's show. And Jenny's going to be on this podcast with Donnie. So Jenny McCarthy and Donnie Wahlberg are going to be here, Corey, what, two, three weeks? Yeah. And I'm really excited about that. They're one of my favorite couples and being now that I have marriage rescue, I'm into the couple thing, and, and I can't wait to get Jenny and Donnie on a podcast together. Uh, uh, there's so much we can talk about. One thing about Jenny and Donnie, uh, they give it to you straight. But uh, um, 
this whole marriage rescue experience has been unbelievable for me. And doing all the media last week was a blast and meeting everybody and seeing how everybody feels about it uh, uh, and how well the show has been accepted means a lot to me. You know, you work really hard on these things, months and months and months of working ahead of time, reading books, studying, preparing yourselves, preparing myself and my whole crew and team. And when people watch it and, and come back and watch it again, there's, it's incredibly flattering. So thank you all. And before I get going, don't forget, hit subscribe at Apple Podcasts or go to podcastone.com or the Podcast One app, and you'll get your new episodes every Tuesday. Well, this week I'm pretty excited to have part two. Corey, this is only the second time we've had a part two, I think, right? It is, and it's worth it. It is worth it. So Rick Harrison is the first guest I've ever had on uh, twice. So now Rick is not only the first guest to be on twice, but he's the first guest to be on twice and get a two-parter. And you can't predict two-parters because either the interviews are great or the interviews aren't. Rick is a, a, a great guy. I, I love Rick. I find his background fascinating. His knowledge is fascinating. God knows how many books Rick has read. He, he reads like two a week. And he's quite a knowledgeable guy and a lot of fun to be with. Uh, uh, so uh, later in this podcast, we're going to have part two of my interview with Rick Harrison. But before we get going, do, are you in the mood for an egg roll, Corey, at all by chance? I could always use an egg roll. Yeah, I feel the same way. Because uh, uh, Today is National Egg Roll Day. I don't oh, wow. know if you knew that. But it is National Egg Roll Day. It's also Ballpoint Pen Day, Iced Tea Day, Black Cow Day, and Herbs and Spices Day. Okay, that's a pretty good start. Huh. Later in the week, Making Life Beautiful Day, Corn on a Cob Day, German Chocolate Cake Day. Boy, I haven't had German Chocolate Cake in a long time. That's some good shit. How about Tuesday, Call Your Doctor Day? So all of us should call our doctors on Tuesday. <laughs> Block up like all that. the phone lines. If everybody called their doctor, it would be a freaking nightmare. Later in the week, Red Rose Day, National Jerky Day, Peanut Butter Cooking Day, and, and Wednesday, uh, I hope this works out for you, Corey. I hope you got laid Wednesday night because it's National Loving Day. Oh, nice. So, so I think you got that to look forward to later in the week, I hope. Sweet. And then uh, uh, National Weed Your Garden Day, National Sewing Machine Day. Later in the week, Army Birthday is Friday. International Bath Day, Strawberry Shortcake Day. How about this one? This is freaking bizarre. National Pop Goes the Weasel Day. I mean, what, what the frick is that? Flag Day. Okay, I'm cool with that. National Bourbon Day. Hey! So what is bourbon, Corey? It's, is it a type of whiskey? It is. So bourbon is completely American whiskey. And what makes bourbon gotcha. bourbon is it's got to be at least 51% corn. Right? Uh, okay. If it isn't 51% corn grain, then it wouldn't be bourbon. It could just be whiskey. And rye whiskey would be 51% or more rye grain. Now, some bourbons can have 70% uh, corn, a higher percentage of corn, a lower percentage of corn. That's their recipe. But anything that's a bourbon would have to have 51% corn. Did you know that I own uh, and a partner in the distillery, Corey? Did you know that? You did. I did, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not sure the audience knows that. No. Some partners with uh, two friends of mine, uh, very much good friends of mine, Colby and Ashley Frey up in Fallon, Nevada. And we own a distillery called Frey Ranch, and our bourbon, our whiskey, comes out uh, uh, early next year. It's been aging for years and years, and I'm really, really excited about it. All the whiskey masters reviewed it and stuff. So next year, National Bourbon Day, Corey, you and I are going to be sipping on some Frey Ranch bourbon, okay? Oh, I can't wait. That's a deal. <laughs> it's also National New Mexico Day. And don't forget, Friday is Wear Blue, National Wear Blue Day. Huh. Jesus Christ. National Flip-Flop Day, National Smile Power Day, National Photography Day, National Fudge Day, and then, of course, Sunday 
this Father's Day. You know, I always, as a father, I always found it interesting. Mother's Day is always a bigger deal than Father's Day. What the hell is up with that? Right? That is true, yeah. You know, Mother's Day is one of the biggest restaurant days of the year. Father's Day, freaking nothing. <laughs> so Father's Day, we cook our own dinner on a barbecue. Mother's Day, mom doesn't do shit, right? right? She's taken care of. She wakes up, breakfast in bed. It's Mother's Day. Dinner, it's Mother's Day. Now, I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for mothers, and I'm probably the first one to do those things when my mom was alive. But the fact of the matter is us fathers were getting shortened on this deal. Why aren't we getting bought dinner? Right? Why aren't we being told? Why don't we get Father's Day cards? I wonder what the statistic is of how many Father's Day cards are sold in America versus Mother's Day cards. I'm going to put my foot in my mouth right now because I have no freaking data by which to say this at all. <laughs> but I am going to guess that Mother's Day cards outsell Father's Day cards by at least 30%. Would you agree? I would, yeah. So, so, so I got to say it again. What the hell? What's going on here? You know, we pay the bills. We work hard, just like moms do. We all pay the bills. Fathers clean, mothers clean. Fathers work, mothers work, right? Fathers change diapers, mothers change diapers. Why are we selling 30 or some odd percent less Father's Day cards than Mother's Day cards? Well, fathers don't have babies coming out of them. And it's a good point. <laughs> you know, my daughter uh, uh, had my very first grandson two weeks ago, little Rhett. And it's funny that you say that because you're right. And, you know, when the baby was born, oh, God, I love my son-in-law, Cody, but it was all about mom. It wasn't really about dad so much. So I get it now when you say that, Corey, when I think about the moment. So so two weeks ago, my grandson, Rhett, was born. I think I was one of the first ones to hold him. He was just a little five-pound, completely healthy, beautiful little boy. And I got to tell you, man, it was pretty emotional, pretty, pretty heavy thing. And some things in life, you know, are less meaningful than you think they are. Some things in life are much, much more meaningful than you think. For example, I'm going, this is a real shift. I'm going to go from my grandson and Mother's Day, Father's Day to Galaxy's Edge. Wow. So I must say, I got the chance to see Galaxy's Edge. And I uh, went with my wife, Nicole, and, and Imagineering, uh, Disney Imagineering, who we're, we're very close with. And, and, you know, we got to tour the facility, walk around, understand it, see it all. It's 14 acres in Disneyland. Orlando opens in a few months. It's, Corey, the most incredible theme park or anything I've ever seen before. Wow. And I haven't been able to talk about it until it's open. So now I can. It's 14 acres. It's completely, in, it's placemaking, if you will, is an architectural term. It's completely 360 degrees. You are in freaking Star Wars. The stores, the attractions, the food, the mer- even the stoves. You know, food is cooked by Falcon engines, and, and it is the most creative thing I have ever seen. You know, when Disney bought Star Wars, a lot of enthusiasts said, ah, they're going to commercialize it. Ah, they're going to ruin it. And a lot of Star Wars fans said that. Well, hats off. Disney's execution on Galaxy's Edge makes Disneyland, makes Epcot, makes other theme parks look like a neighborhood fair, to be honest with you. That is the depth of this facility. Now, I understand people are waiting in lines to get in. I was told Disney hired like 100 extra VIP hosts to do it, and it's not easy to get in. And uh, uh, it's going to be a, a madhouse, I'm guessing, for months. But, Corey, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, as a developer, as a hospitality guy, as a creative person, as a media person, wow, I've never seen anything like Galaxy's Edge. So 
anybody who thinks that Disney is, isn't taking this franchise, this brand, this whole premise of Star Wars, and moving it to a higher level and executing it certainly more frequently, but executing it in a depth that no one's ever seen, wait till you see, even the way Coke is packaged in Galaxy's Edge, the way snacks are packaged in Galaxy's Edge, the way food is made. It has taken everything we know about location-based entertainment and taken it to a whole new level. Really, really exciting. So make sure you get there. Don't miss Galaxy's Edge. Maybe let it calm down a little, let the crowds dissipate at least a little bit, but put it on your list. It should be a bucket list thing whether you're a Star Wars fan or not. It blew me the hell away. Unbelievable. Good work, Disney. All right, and before we move on here with Rick Harrison, so last week, Corey, we told everybody for our 50th episode that if anybody sent in a picture of their screen showing that they had subscribed to my podcast, that they would have an opportunity to win a bumper sticker, a shut-it-down T-shirt, a shut-it-down button, and an autographed Don't BS Yourself book. Well, Corey, you went to work. Were you fair? Oh, yeah. Very. You don't know any of these people, right? No idea. So you don't know any of these people. You don't know any of the ones who didn't win. You just went in and randomly picked uh, uh, five names. Exactly. They happen to be all guys. That's a coincidence, right? Yeah. I didn't mean to do that, but yeah. I mean, you're pretty you're, – I'm actually a very cool young guy. So one thing I know about you, you're not anti-girls. I know that for sure. <laughs> right. So if you could have given me five girls' names, you probably would have. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that it's five guys makes it even that much more honest to me, Corey. It speaks of integrity even to a greater level. I like that. So uh, my producer, Corey, will reach out to each of you, the five winners. I'm going to say your names in a second. And congratulations. We're going to send you a box with Shut It Down t-shirts, Shut It Down button, bumper stickers, and an autographed copy of Don't BS Yourself. So Nick Gagas, G-A-G-A-S, is our first winner. Joe Endicott is our second winner. Winner, Adam Imperial, that's a great name, Adam Imperial, is our third winner. Kyle Shaner is our fourth winner. And Rafael Ruiz is our fifth winner. So congratulations, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. We should do more of these contests, Corey. They're fun. Yeah, we should. Let's do more. All righty, I'll be right back with Rick Harrison's part two of his historic second visit part two interview. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. And while you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell or just trade it in. Just go to TrueCar, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions, navigation, moonroof, etc., and watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. And once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out TrueCar today. True car cash offer not available in all states. 
Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. There's no credit card needed and there's no sign-up. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Pluto TV is free on all of your favorite devices. So download Pluto TV today. Taffer's back. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. Is today's political divide worry? Do you see a difference? Oh, yeah. I do see a difference because um, you basically have the Democratic Party and the media like completely fine with not that that whole constitution thing's an archaic thing. Right. We we don't need that anymore, and we do need that. I mean, like uh, like the, the Nevada legislature. Uh, just pass like where our electoral votes will just go to whoever's got the majority vote unbelievable it's giving away our voice it's giving away our voice and remember um uh lincoln only got 35 percent of the vote but won the electoral college and became it one of the greatest presidents ever it would have been really bad if someone else got in there it's there's a reason why we live in a democratic republic and not a democracy a democracy is a terrible thing mm-hmm our founding fathers were completely against it. A democracy in general is mob rule. That means 51% can take away all the stuff of the other That's 29%. Right. Yep. We live in a constitutional republic. And the whole premise of the Electoral College is so both the coasts couldn't rule the entire country. It balanced yeah. the voice of people. So what would happen is uh, uh, based upon you know three or four states, an entire election could carry. So yeah. if more states like Nevada give up their electoral votes to the majority, then five or six states are going to determine – the, the, the path of our country. You'll have New York, California, Massachusetts. Te- uh, yeah, you'll basically have like New York, California, Texas. Um, those are the country. Those are the states that going to run the country. And like, uh, it's not the. There's a reason why it's designed there. And if people that this is one of the pro- other problem I have with like the news. I mean, most people get their news uh, from television, or young people just get it from on their phone. Mm-hmm. It's a much deeper conversation than 15, 15 or 30 seconds with a newscaster talking about something. Sure the hell is. And, uh, and you it, have to have knowledge to speak about it. Yeah. You don't get that knowledge in 15 seconds. I'm completely with you, Rick. So what worries me is the fact that people are so quick to form an opinion without the knowledge. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, people are just like, you know, fracking is the most terrible thing in the world. Uh, the United States has the lowest CO2 levels in like 30 years, and that's all because of fracking, because all the natural gas that's coming out. I mean, yeah. most of the reasons why power plants are switching from natural gas from coal is not be- for economic reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, um, technology has made natural gas cheaper, which is cleaner for the air and everything else. Like you have that. a lot of it. Yeah. So you have an, all these young people can, saying they're environmentalists and saying fracking is terrible, but fracking is cleaning up the air. There's a bigger picture to it. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. When I find that I'm curious about something, I had a, a, did a podcast on health care a few weeks ago, and I really wanted to understand that, you know, what is the issues on pharmaceutical, blah, blah, blah. So I brought on, and I learned so much, Rick, and it changed a lot of my opinions with regard to health care. You're a reader. Yeah. You read a lot of books. You read a lot yeah. of newspapers. So you speak from a position of knowledge and opinion. Does it frustrate you when people speak from opinion without knowledge? Oh, it, it irritates the, you know, blank out of me i mean it's a uh, no i mean i just i you know re, you know actually do a little research on it okay if yeah. you're gonna talk about global warming 
I've read 200-page scientific reports on it. Yeah. Go read I, something, then let's talk. Yeah, because I really am that nerd. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that yeah. knowledge means something to you. Yeah. You were that way as a young kid. You told me you started reading at a very young age. Well, I was, I was a really sick kid. I, was, uh, yeah. I had epilepsy, and I'd be in bed sometimes for weeks at a time. And early 70s, when you don't have a lot, you know, lower middle-income family, your dad's in Vietnam, you, um, you know. There all, you know, mom went to the library and got books for me. Yeah, you read a bunch of them. And, and as a result, you're extremely knowledgeable now. Unfair question, but it'll be fine. After all these episodes of Pawn Stars, is there a favorite thing that you, that you have found over the years? I was reading about the glass in your house and some of the doors in your home. And you've accumulated some yeah. wonderful things. What's your prized possession? Oh, my prize? I, I collect books. Okay. Okay. Um, those, those are the big thing I collect. I have... Uh, some really rare, weird, bizarro books. I have the the fifteen forty seven Dance of Death, and it's got forty two woodblock prints in it, and it's all uh, like skeletons with everything from maids to butchers to bakers to kings, queens, and even the pope. And every one of them's got a skeleton in there. And the, the premise of the book is, uh, you know, eventually you will dance with death. But the problem yeah. was he put the Pope in there, so the Pope declared it a heretical work, and you could be burned at the stake for owning the book. Wow! Uh, I have a lot of I have uh, a lot of books on alchemy, uh, mm. you know, from like the fifteen hundred. Uh, my oldest one I think is fifteen oh two, and they have all these formulas for turning gold uh, uh, with amazing engravings in them. Like I, I uh, like I said, I've so always that's been, your sweet spot. Yeah, for yeah. first edition, Mister Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Wow. Wow. Um, I have uh, the last edited edition by the uh, you know by the founding fathers of the Federalist Papers. Wow! Uh, I have a copy of the Wealth of Nations. I have I have a a pretty big library. Do you migrate towards political things? Um, with the books, I mean, some of the older. I have a great book, first edition John Locke from I think seventeen oh two. The very first chapter is why the government should not government should not mess with interest rates. Uh, <laughs> Should, should have <laughs> read great, that book. And the great thing is, it's the exact same arguments as it is today. today. Wow. Yeah, right. But by the, with the government messing with uh, uh, interest rates, it basically, you know, like it talks about widows and orphans that have to live off the interest of their money. You know, same stuff. Same, same problem. Same exact argument over 300 years ago. Wow. So I had Dennis Miller on a few weeks ago, who, who we know is very political. And, yeah. And I said to Dennis, you know, does the current state of affairs and the divisiveness and the screen, does it bother you? And his answer was, fuck no. You know, it's always been this way. And then he said, you know, remember the 60s. And I did. And I remember the 70s when this happened. Yeah. Remember the 80s when this happened. And, you know, when you go back and you think at it, about it, Rick, is it that different today than it was 10, 20, 30, I, I, 40, I, 50 years ago? I think it's a lot worse. I think it's worse now. I mean, like, they weren't, you know, in the 60s, you know, 60, you know, they weren't saying impeachment, all these other things. I mean, yeah, like, And news yeah. wasn't every freaking minute, 24 hours a day. I mean, you have, you have congressmen like Peter Schiff who would, you know, it was like, look, I have evidence of Russian collusion and everything. No, you're bald. I mean, just bald face lies. Nice. I mean, usually they would lie, but they would have an excuse later to cover the lie. Right. They, they don't even bother with that anymore. Yeah. There's no graceful exits from these lies anymore. Okay. I mean, you know, you know, I'm more libertarian than anything else. I think we should have very limited government and like, yeah. you know so what? M- make it easy for me to do business. Don't tax me to death. Don't regulate me to death. And I will employ people. I love doing it. I mean, I could retire tomorrow. I don't have to work another day in my life. Okay? But I enjoy doing business. I enjoy, I, I'm proud of the fact that, like, even if you're 
18 years old and selling T-shirts in my in my shop. I give you medical insurance and everything like that um, because, you know, basically to me, I think it makes economic sense if you have super loyal employees that work really hard. If you treat them well, you mean you'll get the cream of the crop. You're also driven by right, aren't you? I don't mean left and right. I mean just by doing right. Oh, I mean, yeah. You've grown up in an environment where you were sick when you were young. You did a lot of reading, a lot of knowledge. You developed philosophy, a philosophy, a view of life when you were younger. You strike me as a man who's very driven by right and wrong. You yeah. lose money for right, won't you? Um, I have been offered seven-figure endorsement deals that I've turned down because I thought it was a very, very bad company. So you will put right before money. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that was really hard because money's like my third or fourth favorite thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, I mean, I'm on the board of directors of the uh, National your, Board of board your, your integrity is more important. Uh, my integrity is important, and I believe there's, uh, you know, if you do well in this world, you should give back. And uh, I'm on the board of directors of the Epilepsy Foundation. Yep. I've been on that for years. Uh, I give, you know, I give a lot of money to charity. I, uh, but, you know, it's a. Uh, you know, I'm not a really religious person, but I believe Hitler and Mother Teresa are in definitely two different places. That's for damn sure. <laughs> That's for damn sure. So uh, uh, you have a beautiful ranch up in Oregon. Oh, yeah. I've actually been invited up there by you, but I, I was not able to make it. You spend a lot of time up there these days? Um, yeah, I, I spend four or five months a year up there. Uh, the whole time I'm up there, I'm, I'm working. Uh, I got everything's off the grid. I got a hydro, my own mini Hoover Dam, a hydroelectric power plant that yeah. runs a lot of stuff, solar, wind turbines. Um, I have a machine shop there. I have a, and uh, are you happiest with the tool in your hand? Yep, you are. Mm-hmm. You love that, the, that those moments alone, creating, yeah. building, and touching. Yeah. I can't wait till like next month. I'll be up there and I'm building a sawmill. Wow. <laughs> so, you, so we were talking before we went on here. We were talking about your back and you have how many breaks? How many vertebrae? I have five broken vertebrae. I've had my three knee surgeries, ankle surgery, broken my ribs six times. Uh, all from motorcycles. All from motorcycles. and But you still will get on a motorcycle. So what do you do? You were saying to me, so considering all those injuries, you still have your bikes. You yeah. love them. Yeah. So in uh, June, me and some guys were going 6,500 miles uh, round trip, 1,000 miles off-road to Alaska and back. Wow. So you take the Alaska Highway up and back. Alaska Highway. We got some routes, too, where it's a Off route. like a couple hundred miles of dirt roads and yeah. stuff like that. We bring extra gas and everything. Else. Have you done that before? That trip? Uh, that trip I haven't done, but I've done tons of long trips like that. Yeah, that's one of my dreams is that trip uh, up to us. I want to do it on my bus. Yeah. And I'm still trying to talk my wife, Nicole, into it. But a little different than doing it on a bike. I mean, I'm traveling my bedroom behind me. Not exactly the same thing. Well, I got my, my bedroom right behind me on the back of my bike. So, like, you know, so when I, we do trips like this, it's like uh, you'll be in the middle of nowhere in Canada. And like, go like, eh, let's just stop and spend the night. So I'll string my hammock between two trees. and like That's wonderful. It's one of the, and that's probably Rick Harris at his happiest, isn't it? Just oh, that. I absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that the pressure of celebrity? I know you enjoy it, so do I. Yeah. But th- does the pressure of celebrity get to you sometimes? Um, sometimes it's like, you know, you can never. You're always got to be on your guard because there's always, uh, you know, uh, I, I've literally gone. I'm eight miles from my house. Realize I don't have a hat. I turn around, and put it on because. If I got the hat and shades on, you know, um, it's you can generally try and get through a crowd. But if there's no hat on, it's like everybody wants a picture. Everybody's stopping yeah. you. Uh, it's the same. Did you wear a hat before TV? 
Uh, well, bald, I have to. Because uh. I hated fucking hats. I never wore hats until I'm on TV. And for some reason, a hat and the sunglasses makes me feel better. I think people still know you're Rick Harrison when they yeah. say, but because you're wearing the hat and the shades, they assume you want to be left alone. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, some of the parts that I really hate is like I'll be eating dinner with the family out somewhere, like yeah. you know, I'll have a mouthful of food. Can I get? A, I, I hate to bother you, but right. like I'm, but going, I'm gonna, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> yeah, can I get a picture? I'm more like you know, and and I'm usually really good about the pictures. Yeah. You know, I, I know it means a big deal to the yeah. fans and everything like that. But like for the love of God, I'm having dinner with my family. I mean, yeah. I. I Bartender my bar on Friday and Saturday nights when I'm in town. <laughs> I am the world's worst bartender. I, I only make drinks where the name of the drink is the ingredients of the drink, like Jack and Coke. <laughs> That's okay. So, as long as you can do it. So, so uh, for those of who night night know, Rick has a barbecue restaurant, which is next door to Porn Stars to the shop. Okay. And uh, I actually looked at those plans with you. Well, no, no, no. You're like, you helped me out. You got, you more or less designed the whole place. You know, the, <laughs> the, the bar is laid out and everything just the way you told me to do it. And and uh, Rick hangs there pretty often. Yeah. It's got killer barbecue if nobody's been there before. Voted best in Nevada 17 times. And and if I go, I can actually see Rick behind the bar on occasion yeah friday night friday and saturday nights i'll go up there for a couple hours and um like i said just don't ask for anything special from me so a rick harrison handcrafted jack and coke yes scotch and soda scotch and soda whiskey ginger yeah whiskey ginger <laughs> whiskey sour yeah we're good with all this oh, yeah. so i if you order a bud i can open up the can for you <laughs> So, so at those moments, it must be a lot of fun. So people come in it's to see It's really you and, fun. And it's like, you know, the fans really appreciate it and stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Tell me about uh, uh, Rick's collection store. Because I was reading about this. I didn't know about it myself till about an hour ago. Well, I'm uh, opening a store up in the Venetian. Uh, I do. I already have a wholesale art business. And I have a publishing company that publishes art. <laughs> and uh, I do a lot of business in art. And I just sort of expanding into the Venetian. And uh, have another. Going to open up a gallery there. I uh I do millions in art every year in the pawn shop mm-hmm. anyway, so I figured let's open up another another place. So, so this would be in the Venetian, heart of the Strip. Yep. And some of your favorite pieces I'm, I'm reading going to be in Oh, there? yeah. Some of, some of my really high-end pieces are going to be there. So uh, it's going to be uh, fun, and uh, we're actually going to put it on the show a few times. They want to put it on the show. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, i got to wait to stop by and maybe buy some art. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, um, Like I said earlier, making money is like my third or fourth favorite thing. It is your third or fourth <laughs> favorite thing. It might be tied with your second favorite thing maybe. But, you know, it's, 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 it's not only the money. It's the something that feels good when we win. You know, yeah. and, and, and you do something good for someone else. And I remember last time we got together, you talked about that book you read when you were young. And yeah. dealing and, 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 you know, how you – it was about a con or something. Well, well you, no, no. You it legitimized was, it in your mind. Yeah, it was uh, The Great Brain by John D. Fitzgerald. It was about an eight-year-old kid who just at eight years old in the 1890s in Utah declared to the world that he had a great brain and started coming up with all these schemes to make money. And there was always a moral ending to it. But it was uh, – I absolutely – that was like the first set of books I really fell in love with and I just devoured them. And uh, it's sort of kismet. Yeah. And you've sort of been thinking that way ever since in a way. Yeah. But your schemes have helped people, not hurt people. Um, yeah, I've always uh, always tried to be a moral man. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. you have. I got to tell you, Rick, as, as a friend of yours and one who lives in Las Vegas, you are a really good guy, buddy. And people might not know that about you. Know they see you walk out the counter looking at things, offering people money for stuff. But there's a lot of depth to you, buddy. There's well, political thanks. depth to you. Yeah. You know, you work with epilepsy, and your charitable work here in town is really powerful. You know, your family has a huge impact in your town. Your dad, of course, had yeah. a huge impact on this town. I'm sure you miss him very much. We all do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been, like, been a year now. Yep, just about a year. 
And uh, uh, so I want to wish you well, buddy. And where can everybody hear about Rick's collection store and get updated on it? Um, I should be open middle of July. It's going to be in the uh, the canal shops in the Venetian. Um, really cool. I, um, some of the really, really high-end stuff that uh, doesn't sell as well as a pawn shop I'm going to put up there. Um, and uh, it should be you know, you're like, you know, stop by and take a look. If you don't I like will. anything, don't buy nothing. I will. <laughs> so, so, so if I wanted to learn about everything Rick Harrison, where do I go? RickHarrison.com? Uh, I go to GoldenSilverGSPawn.com. Uh, GSPawn.com. Yeah, and uh, I uh, always put like my rants up there and everything like that. Um, I'm, I'm doing a lot more of those where I just complain about the insanity of government. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like here in town. We got a, you know, like it was like three years they were working on 15 and – Ninety five there, and then they, then the, all the everything new they build is HOV lights. Yeah, <laughs> which I think is you know everyone, all of us who drive pay gasoline taxes, but why do we? They have the HOV taxes. In the end, doesn't save an ounce of gasoline because it just causes more congestion on the other lanes and more That's gasoline right. is burned. It's just the stupidity of government. Yes, it is, and it's sometimes they feel good in spite of logic, but it makes them feel good. Well, I mean, remember, it's uh, the best definition of like. Our government is like just imagine a huge company with unlimited money trying to go bankrupt. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, 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 you know, buddy, uh, uh, it's been good to have you, and um, congratulations on season seventeen. Unbelievable. Oh, and you know, as a last note, you know, I study TV. I'm on TV too. My ratings are holding up pretty well too. Cable is down. You know that. Oh, Subscribe. Yeah. So the fact that you can be as successful as you are when cable is, in fact, going down like this is a real testament to you and the I, show yeah. that you created. Right? Over the past five years, cable viewership is down like 50%. Yep. But, but your numbers are holding. I've um, still got great numbers. And um, like I said, I start filming the next season here in two weeks. Wow. So we're going to see you travel more in a show? Uh, travel more um, and uh, like a lot more deeper dives into history and uh, – um, keep it fun, you know. Keep the old Pawn Stars, but a few extra things I want to throw in there. Especially it's interesting. It's it still works with the name Pawn Stars Deep Dive. Pawn Stars <laughs> Deep Dive. So one of the greatest, <laughs> the greatest promo, promo commercials I ever did. We uh, this because uh, like I said, it shows all over the world. So we did some promos in England, and we just got a bunch of old couples in like their seventies sitting in park benches. And, you know, over there, pawn and porn sound like almost identical. <laughs> so they're going like, we're going to watch some porn tonight? All night long. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another set of couples like, porn tonight? Oh, yeah. We're let's, let's turn on some porn tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the commercial, it's like, you know, porn stars. <laughs> it's fun. But it's, when you travel around the world, they change the name of the show sometimes because they do that to mine too because the words don't translate exactly right. Well, yeah. So like, uh, yeah, it, pawn, the porn stars, porn stars things doesn't translate like, like things. So some of the craziest name, well, the, cra- the craziest name is in Japan where it's American Treasure Hunters Appraisal Team Pawn Stars. <laughs> American Treasure Hunters Appraisal Team Pawn Stars. Yeah. Uh, in Italy, I'm the family business, mm. which is like really appropriate for Italy. <laughs> uh, Germany, it's the three kings of the pawn shop. Uh, in uh, Spanish-speaking countries, it's uh, El Precio della History, the, the Price of History. That's a good name, actually. Yeah. The Price of History. Yeah. So um, it's, uh, like I said, it keeps on going. Yeah. 
Keeps on going because of you, buddy. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Good. To, always good to see you. Let's do dinner really soon, okay? Okay, we will. I'll, cu- I'll give you a call later tonight. Great. Look forward to it. Right. Thanks, everybody. And I'll be right back with audience calls. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. Podcast One Sportsnet is your home for the best NBA Finals postgame coverage as the Toronto Raptors duke it out with the Golden State Warriors. Kawhi, listen, I'm not going to give a guy a cookie when he's supposed to do something. He's supposed to do it. He'll okay. star. Play like that. With Dan Patrick, Rich Eisen, The Big Podcast with Shaq, Real GM, and so many more, only on Apple Podcasts and PodcastOne.com. Shut it down! All right, John. New week and new callers. Let's do it. Shut it down! First up, we have Megan from Maryland. Hi, Megan. Hi, John. Nice to talk to you. It's nice to talk to you. Oh, my God. So you're in Maryland. Is it a nice day the other day? It's hot as hell here in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm a teacher. We only have seven days left, so we're super excited. Oh, boy. Summertime for you. Do you work in the summer or do you take it easy? I take it easy. We go on vacation. Great. That's terrific. What do you teach? Um, I teach eighth grade science, but I'm getting a master's in special education. Ah, uh, that's terrific. That's terrific. Thank you. You know, it's funny. When I look back at school, my science teacher was one who influenced me probably more than any other when I look back. And I don't know why that is because I'm not a scientist now. Even though <laughs> I talk about bar science well, a lot. Yeah, you do bar science. So yep. I think that as a science. Yeah, it's, 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 it's wonderful. You know, teaching and helping people is an amazing thing. So, so you know, to be able to spend your life doing that, especially with, with special children, is, is a real gift, Megan. So congratulations for that. What do you want to talk about today? Um, so my, my question is, um, there's this neighborhood bar that we love to go to. It's in walking distance. Um, they get a great local crowd, um, and it's up for lease in December. And me and my friends were thinking of taking it over, but my question to you is, how much do you change to draw in a new crowd, but how much do you keep the same to keep the local crowd coming in and not scare them off? Ah, very good point. So what you want to do is you want to add to to the customer base, but you don't want to displace the customer base. So, right. So it uh, you don't need to tell me what it is. I don't need to hear. But does it does it have a name that's been up there for years? So it's it's a branded yes. and everybody knows yep. where it is. So often, yes, if, so you want to keep the brand because you want to keep the customers. If if it has people coming, let's just so you wouldn't have to buy the business. You would just have to lease out the space. Correct. Wow, that's a pretty terrific deal. So, yes. so why would they do that? Did the business fail before? No, the owner, um, she's older, and she just wants to um, be ready, I think, to retire, but she still gets such like a good business space. She's just looking for people to take it over for her so she can just come and enjoy it. Wow. Well, that, that's, that's a pretty incredible offer. That's probably not going to last too long. So right. I, would, I would keep the name. I would okay. advertise that it's under new management with signs in the window, et cetera, in front. Under new ownership, come check us out. And then I would throw a couple of parties for the owner when you take over. And oh, here's that's a great idea. and here's the concept why. If she's owned this bar for years and people love her, then do a special going away week party for her that runs all week. Have her there every night. All of the old customers will come back to see her if you advertise it and promote it. So everybody will come back to see her. In essence, by getting all the customers back, you can then give them a coupon to come back next week. <laughs> and oh, my gosh. You, and you okay. can use the party with her to get all the old customers back as a marketing vehicle to launch your future. And she can introduce you to all the customers and all the new people. And from that event, you can sort of get yourself going. Does that make sense? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, it makes complete sense. That's, I would not even think of that. 
So, so I've done that before when, when you know, we take over a bar. You, you do a party for the last owner. You got all the customers there because they're all going to want to come see her if they love her so much. Right. And then uh, have a cake, you know, a going away cake. Give everybody some cake. Make it a party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and okay. you call it a turnover party, a switch party, a new future party, a retirement party. Come help, help me celebrate her retirement. Don't miss it. Come say goodbye to her yourself, blah, blah, blah. They don't have to know she'll be hanging out at the bar next week. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. that's what I would do. The other thing I, I would say to you, Megan, be careful with this. Bars can suck up more money than you think. Remember, you mm-hmm. got rent, you have insurance, which is dram shop isn't cheap in Maryland. You got labor right. for employees, you got employee liability, you have utilities, you have products to buy. So, so it isn't so cheap. Bars only profit about eighteen to twenty-two percent of revenue. So, about eight, call it twenty cents on a dollar is what you're going to make in profit. Oh my so, gosh! Okay. So, if you spend too much on some of those things, that twenty percent can disappear pretty quickly. You with me? Yes, absolutely. So, so manage your costs very carefully. And, and okay. you know, I would go online. We have something, even I have, I'm not looking to sell you anything, but I have something called TVT online, which teaches you how to run a bar on our online Yes, course. I know. I've seen it on Bar Rescue. <laughs> that could probably help you. There's something called the Nightclub and Bar Convention in Las Vegas, and there's 80-some-odd educational classes. That could really help you. There's a gazillion things on YouTube, videos by people. My point is, you're a teacher. There's a lot of knowledge out there. And so go absorb it all and and just don't discount how hard the business is. That's my advice to you. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Go at it, expecting it to be hard, expecting it to be a challenge and expecting that you have to learn it to do well. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Great. um, It was so nice talking to you. I love your show. I love Marriage Rescue. I just started watching that and everything that you do. Uh, thank you, Megan. Well, good luck. I hope you get the bar. If you do send us a note, I'd love to get you back on after you're open. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. Congratulations. I hope it all works out for you. Uh, thank you so much, John. Bye-bye. All right, let's move on to Keith, who has a consultant question for you, John. Hey, Keith. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Good to talk to you. So you're in Reading, huh? Reading, Pennsylvania. What do you want to talk yes, about sir. today? So I have two questions for you. Um, the first one is, you know, is there a point in time when a business, like a right time to bring in a consultant? You know, do you have to be failing to bring in a consultant or, you know, are there signs that you need help? And then the second question is, you know, many of your rescues, you spend a lot of time with people more than the actual business. So I want to know how you define leadership and how do you go about team building? Boy, those two great questions. Uh, uh, hats off to you, buddy. You know, first of all, you know, failure is something that you have to define. You know, there are businesses that I've owned that are profitable that I still think are a failure because I'm nowhere near the potential of what it could be. So, when you think about do you need a consultant or not, think about where you could be, not about whether you're succeeding or not. Because the worst thing in life is when you own a business and you just make enough money to survive, but you never get rich, so you're stuck, Keith. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so you want to take a business to the promise zone. So you really want to sit down and say, what is my potential? Could I take it 20% higher, 30% higher? And if I did, how much money is that worth to me? And is it worth investing to achieve that potential? And if it is, then investing in a consultant makes sense. When you're losing money, it's almost too late, honestly, right? Something has happened. Reversing a trend is much, much harder than adding to one, if you know what I'm saying. 
Yeah. So it's much easier to, to make you more profitable than it is to turn you around from losing to profit is my point. So think about failures. Did you achieve potential? Now, that can beat the shit out of you, Keith, because no matter – even when you're successful, you're never successful enough. And that's what I do to myself, right? Because how often yeah. do I lay in bed at night and say, well, I really all, – all my businesses achieved their potential. So always, at the end of the day, there's always things that don't. But you have to weigh, you know, uh, are you comfortable with where it is based upon where it could be? And if you're not, then you should act, buddy. Sure. That's great. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Your next one on leadership is fascinating. You know, years ago, I used to say that leadership can't be taught. It needs to be born. And people either have a natural, you know, leadership ability or not. You know, my daughter is an example. When she was like six years old, they called it a little general at daycare. You know, and she was the one that lined the kids up and did all that. She was just that way when she was young. You know, other kids, you know, were the last ones to lead. And, you know, I find now that my daughter's 30 years old and I still see and and get to meet her friends. It's interesting. The ones that were leaders at six are leaders now. And the ones that weren't leaders at six are not leaders now. So I still wonder if leadership can be taught because I think leadership is instinctual. I think we follow people who sometimes, Keith, don't have the greatest of knowledge, but we follow them for some reason. We believe in them. You know what I'm saying? They don't have the statistical knowledge to necessarily justify it. They don't necessarily have the millions of dollars to justify it, but we believe in them, so we follow them. I'm not sure getting people to believe in you is something that can be taught. Now, there's people that you know and I know that have huge amounts of knowledge, right? I mean, they're textbooks, man. They can rattle off every sales technique. Every, they know everything, but nobody freaking follows them because for some reason people don't want to in spite of the individual's knowledge. So, you know, I'm of the belief that leadership can be in someone and not ignited yet, right, which is igniting it or bringing it out. But I don't believe somebody who is not a leader can be made a leader personally. So there's something that has to be there, you believe, before the, the, the full leadership phase can actually begin. Yes. You have to be able to draw people to you. You know, look at the Pied Piper. Everybody followed, everybody followed him. You know, they would have followed that guy off a cliff. Nobody talks about that he was a good flute player. He was a Pied Piper. You know, there's all these entrepreneurs. Investors follow them. People follow them. It's so personality-driven when you really think about it. And you believe in someone or you don't. And you, sometimes you believe in people without information and experience. Sometimes you don't believe in people with information and experience. So, again, I think leadership is connection. I think it's personality to personality. And, and you know, I'm of the belief, and some people who write books are going to beat me up on this, but, heck, I've been doing this a long time. I feel this strongly. Well, leader, leaders are more born than created. You, you disagree you know, I, or agree? I, I, what do you I, think? Oh, yeah. And I, I, I think I started to agree with you, you know, earlier on. And as, you know, I, I coached college football for a living, and – and, and leadership is something we're always trying to develop. And I think that the definition that we fell on was, was John Maxwell's was leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And so the question is not as what a leader, but how do you, how do you create influence? Yes. It is always the question that we try to ask ourselves. And we think that the answer, you know, how do you create influence is getting people to trust you. Absolutely. You know, uh, and believe in the, you. The reason why people follow you is because they trust you. They trust you in everything you do. You have a lot of credibility, and that's why they follow you. So if people can, can find out ways to gain trust, then I think they're going to find their influence, you know, 
grow exponentially. I think that's very well said. But trust is sort of an intangible. It's not knowledge. You don't get it in a book. You know what I mean? Trust is sure. is the experience that you gain from interacting in your whole life and learning how, how to cause people to trust you by first being a man of your word, obviously, but second of all, just inspiring people to trust you. And, and you know, we think about it, there, there are very inspiring coaches who might not have the best book knowledge of the game, but son of a gun, they can get 110% out of those players. And there's other guys okay. who pull out those clipboards, you know what I'm saying? And they know the game inside out, but they just can't get that other 10% out of their players. I think we're saying the same thing, really, very much. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Well, if you figure that one out, you let me know. <laughs> we'll do the same with you, buddy. Take care. Good to talk to you. Thanks. Listen, I'd really love it if you'd be on the show. You can challenge me, argue with me, disagree with me, agree with me, whatever you like. But the more challenging, the better. Just send an email to podcast at johntaffer.com, podcast at johntaffer.com. Corey will open those emails. He'll set it up with you. And then you and I will talk on the podcast and we'll have some fun. And by the way, while you're at it, don't forget to hit subscribe at Apple Podcasts or go to podcast.com or the Podcast One app and you'll get your new episodes every Tuesday. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. Oh, boy, it's always fun to have Rick here. Well, that about does it for this week. Next week, don't miss the podcast. I have Lisa Lapinelli with me, who's probably one of the most controversial comedians at all, uh, uh, maybe of all time for a while there. Lisa's now has a whole different career going in a different direction, and I find her fascinating, and so will you. So I'll talk to you next week with Lisa Lapinelli on my No Excuses podcast. Have a good week.